How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me in studio for this edition is my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, happy 22-2, man. Yeah, same to you, and probably it took so long to actually get a studio episode in, and especially given that I've been in BC for two weeks now. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, obviously in our... One of our last episodes, anyway, we talked a little bit about why that is. But I'm really excited to get you in the studio today because we got a good episode ahead of us. You know, we got a great cover athlete to talk about, top of the hour, all that good stuff. Now, unfortunately, since we last recorded, we lost a true legend in the sports world. And I know that the word legend gets thrown around quite a bit when talking about certain people and certain figures in sports. And this past. Tuesday, we lost a huge figure in the sport of American football. When talking about this guy, you got to realize the Pro Football Hall of Fame's criteria for getting into the Hall of Fame is simple. Can the history of pro football be written without you? This guy not only got inducted as a head coach, but he could have gotten inducted two other times, both as a commentator and a video game icon, the late John Madden. And it's funny because can the history books be written without this person? I think anyone who grew up during the 80s or 90s, the first name they thought of when they thought football was John Madden. And that only got bigger after the release of the EA football games. Because this is a guy who was able to take what was going on in the head and the coach, and just put it on the screen for you. And uh, he kind of pioneered that sort of TV technology that allowed you to just draw the play on the TV and really just show people what was important on the screen. And a lot of sports really tried to emulate it. You saw an attempt to emulate it in basketball. Famously in hockey, you had, like, tracking the puck or, like, this is the offside or icing lines that came and went and never stuck. But... Madden definitely used it the best Absolutely. and used it first. He did. And even even going back to football, I mean, you could even say that with some of the TV technology you have for first downs. Yeah. Like, he was around as that stuff was really getting off the ground. Now, when talking about John Madden, it's interesting because it really goes to show your age of where you know Madden from. Because Madden was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders from 19... 19- I believe 1968 to 1979. He was a Super Bowl winning head coach. He's the youngest coach to reach 100 regular season wins. And I did not realize that. And it makes a lot of sense that he, after all these, he hasn't coached a game since 1979. He's still the winningest head coach in Raiders history. Well, it's like, what have the Raiders done since then? Literally nothing. Two two more Super Bowls. Yeah, Yeah, the two more Super Bowls in two different cities. Two different cities. There we go. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's funny because, like, the Raiders have had great head coaches, like, from John Madden, like I said, to Tom Flores, or, you know, all kinds of other head coaches. But even as a commentator, I mean, you got to realize, like, John Madden, I think this is definitely where I remember him from in a weird way. Because, again, even though I didn't grow up watching football as a kid, John Madden was one of those guys, like, if you saw, if you were flipping through the channels and you happened to come across a football game, you knew John Madden. Yeah. And Madden was a guy, he worked for four decades as a commentator on television for all four major sports networks, CBS, Fox, ABC, NBC. Most notably, he worked alongside 
the late Pat Summerall. And people don't realize today just how great of a commentator Pat Summerall was. And Pat was kind of a, a minimalist. Yeah. Very minimalist in how his approach was. And it was such a polar opposite 180 approach from John Madden. John was this big, loud, gregarious guy and Summerall wasn't. But that made, they worked so well together. And it's really interesting because the Madden-Summerall pairing was so well known that they ended up opening a music video for U2. It uh, stuck in the moment because in the European version, it's a soccer game where he blows a penalty kick. In the American version, it's a missed field goal. And uh, Summerall and Madden are ripping into Botto. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also can't forget, like, they were also in an episode of The Simpsons, too, yes. right? But it's like, it's a, like, it's just, you have to just climb up so, so high. And it was to the point where uh, you would see people dress up as John Madden at, like, comic and anime conventions because it was a notable costume that even dorks would get. It's true. And, you know, and you and I were talking a little bit about this when we were driving over here, is that figures that transcend the game of sports, and obviously, as being a hockey podcast, you got names like Gretzky, for sure. Yeah. Basketball's so noticeable with Michael Jordan to LeBron, and I would even say Kobe. And I know about this this time two years ago, Kobe Bryant passed away, and it's almost weirdly fitting that two years later, we're talking about another figure who transcended the game of football. Yeah. Because... Football, you got to realize, like, the NFL really never had that figure. They've had great figures. Like, they've had the Joe Montana's, Tom Landry's, guys like this. John Madden, I would go on record and say he's probably the lone figure that transcended the game of football. Which, it's really tough to transcend football, right? Yeah. Because it's a household institution in the United States. So, like, to be bigger than that is impressive. It would be like transcending transcending european football and the only guy who i can think of doing that in the uk was probably david beckham and even then people will argue that argue that point forever whether he was a big big enough guy to say that was a thing or not well and i think it's interesting even here in north america i think especially in the 2000s if anybody ever brought up European football or soccer yeah. as we call it here I would say David Beckham for sure would be one of those guys I think later on you had say I don't want to say Cristiano Ronaldo because I don't think he transcended the game nearly as much as David Beckham but I think Beckham for a couple of reasons Beckham was a sex icon or sex symbol married one of the Spice Girls he was just known to be yeah. a huge figure right well I guess Ronaldo is like in in continental Europe Ronaldo's a big guy um another one that's like Pele and yeah, I'd say Pele or uh, why am I blanking on the other really big Brazilian player that everyone and their mom knows? Uh, I don't know. Stop! I'm kicking myself because I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Played for Brazil, has only one name. Ronaldo? Not Ronaldo. That wouldn't be Ronaldo. Uh... We'll get back to it, but... Absolutely. Now, go back to what I was saying about John Madden. And again, Madden transcended the game of football, not just for his work on television, but you got to realize the big reason I think he transcended the game of football was the John Madden football video game series. And one of the things when talking about that... Well, it's the Tony Hawk effect. It was. I think the Madden series is one of the things... Because I know on The Great One Experience, a few episodes ago, I did an episode on... 
a football life. Yeah. And the football life is a great series. And John Madden's episode, I would say probably in the top three, if definitely top five, possibly top three. But one episode I didn't include was Trip Hawkins. Right. The guy who started Electronic Arts. And you got to realize, like, Madden came out at a time, and I'm not going to go on record and say, like, video game football was not a thing. Because it was. You had Tecmo Bowl, you had 10-yard fight. I mean, you can go back to, like, the But Mag- Tecmo Bowl was the big one. Yeah, you can go back to even tech, um, the Magnavox Odyssey of where football was. But Madden made it a yearly installment. Yeah. And it helped Electronic Arts because it helped the well, first of all, it helped the boom of the video game market for f- football. Yeah. You, without Madden, there would be no NFL quarterback club. There would be no NFL 2K, NFL Blitz. There wouldn't be any of those v- games today. Well, I think the other thing is, is it also paved the way for a lot of the other sports games to become yearly things. Because then you got like any NHLPA in '93, you yep. got. Well, we all we had one FIFA already, but you started getting more routine FIFAs. And you, you got the NBA series while EA still did NBA. And it really did just kind of open up that market for that yearly sports thing. And I think it's funny because it also kind of saved the Genesis. North America is the only market where the Sega Genesis was more popular than the Super Nintendo because the sports games were better on the Genesis. Every other market, the SNES blew out the Sega, the Sega console. I, I would say in... England, maybe that might be the lone Except ex- England. England was the lone exception. England was definitely Sega for sure. And I know because my cousin's wife is from the UK and she was talking and about And I live that Actually, but then Sega's dominance in the UK was short-lived because of Sony. And even talking about the Madden series, you got to realize that that really... I know I'm going to keep harping on this, but it really did help Madden transcend the game of football because you had people who never watched a game of football, say you would walk in around in EB games or back in the day with video, um, video rental stores, you would see a cover of John Madden football. And it didn't matter what athlete was on the picture because the name was Madden, Madden, Madden. Yeah. And I mean, look right beside you here. Yeah. Madden 22. Madden 22. Well, I guess that's the weird thing is, do you think it, they're just going to keep the the Madden name on the football games going forward? They would have to because it's a it's a franchise. Yeah, yeah. right. It's not just because. Do John... you want to play Tony Robo football? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, again, I mean, there's so much we could talk about Madden, and of course, when talking about Madden's time on television, two big things always come up: his catchphrase, his catchphrases. You know, he pioneers the boom and. Doink and Turducken. Like, the Turducken at Thanksgiving, I still think is one of those things where it is a perfect television spectacle. Because you have this turkey that gets brought out that has six legs. And John Madden mentioned this in his A Football Life episode, talking about the Turducken, and he goes, you know, he thinks it's funny that people don't know how many legs is on a turkey. He goes, well, you know, how did you get six legs on there? Now, I know a turkey's got four legs, but how did you get six on there? And John just goes... Well, how did you get four out of it? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's a bird. <laughs> That's inc- well. I, I'm glad that the other thing about John Madden is he's very quick, so he's able to just like see something that's not quite right and then just needle it yeah. and needle it into the ground. Well, it's true, and he was a king of that on TV. And I remember going back to the Football Life episode. There's a clip where. He, they were talking about John Madden's fear of flying. Yeah. And they saw that there was an airplane that was flying in St. Louis. 
And he goes, oh, oh look at that, John. Or, what you, look at this pad. Do you think that's a model? And he goes, do you think it's a real plane? Well, what do you think? It's a model? Well, I don't know. It's pretty big to be a model. <laughs> and even talking about Madden's fear of flying. And one of the big things that came out of that, the Madden Cruiser. You got to realize that's a move right there. When you have a fear of flying and yet you have a bus named after you. Because you got to make the bus. Yeah, it's true and I gotta give a quick shout out to Adam because I know he sent me this article somebody sent or somebody had wrote this article after Madden passed away and it was an article about how John Madden had a no poop rule on the bus Wayne Gretzky was the exception wait 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 you're driving this bus for like 10 hours at a time and I'm, I'm, no poop rule? I'm thinking probably driving is a little bit different, but when it's parked. Okay, yeah, I imagine, that's fair. I'm imagining if it's parked, and Gretzky was the exception. He's like, yeah, okay, go for it. Gretzky, look, I gotta, I gotta go bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Well, talking about people who transcended the game hanging out. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like, can you tell Wayne Gretzky, no, you're not gonna shit in my caravan? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, sorry, when you said the no poop rule, I'm just imagining, like, you're in the you're driving from Arizona to Oakland, Ooh. and you're just in the middle of, like, the Mojave, and it's like, yeah, no pooping. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be, that'd be awful. Like, I could not even imagine. <laughs> and it's funny, because John Madden had the Madden Cruiser for so long, and when he was working at television, he traveled to NFL cities for so many years on this bus. And one of the big things we're talking about Madden is that... Madden never ever did a Pro Bowl. Really? Pro Bowl is in Hawaii. Oh right, he can't fly there. You can't drive there, right? Yeah. And one of the big things that came out of this, and you and I were talking about this, is do you remember the show Mad TV? Yes. Frank Caliendo was a cast member on Mad TV, and and Frank was always known to be a really good impressionist. Yes. Like he did Charles Barkley to nowadays with John Gruden. The Madden impression was so legendary. That's the one impression that Frank Kellyano to this day will be remembered for. Sorry, I'm just laughing at the picture of the bus with Madden sitting in front of the bus, but it's been rebranded for Outback Steakhouse. Oh no, that that's, was, that's his actual bus. That's incredible. <laughs> I've never seen this. Right? <laughs> He's just chilling in the bus. It's <laughs> awesome, right? That's awesome. It is awesome. Now, what isn't awesome, though, for all the things that we were just talking about with John Madden, John Madden, for the longest time, was one of those guys who was widely considered to be one of the biggest snubs for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Because, and he talked about this, again, going back to football life, he talked about this in the episode where he, first year he was inducted, he was a finalist. Yep. And didn't get in. And then for the next 20 years or whatever afterwards, he wasn't even on the ballot. It wasn't until 2006, John Madden finally got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that seems like a weird snub. It does. Were they just kind of thinking for a while that he wasn't fully retired? Well, no, he was retired from coaching for sure. Yeah, yeah, but he was a commentator, right? He was a commentator. He was in the final couple of years of his time commentating. The Madden series was already well-established by yeah, this yeah. point. And 
they finally got and he finally got inducted into the Hall of Fame and it was Raiders owner Al Davis that inducted him. When you want to talk about guys who were very, very polarizing in the game of football like Al Davis was, the fact that he inducted John Madden, a guy who transcended the game. Yeah. No, really that's cool. cool. It is really cool. So I know that we have spent all this time talking about John Madden, but again, I mean, we got, we had to, right? Because again, you don't lose a figure like this and not talk about it. No, and it's not like we have other things to talk about this episode, given that everything got postponed except one game. <laughs> it is true. And that game sucked. Well, you know what, Tim? The game did suck, but I'll tell you what didn't suck, though. Is our cover athlete for today? Because today's episode is season five, episode twelve, in chronological order, episode one oh seven, the Brady DeChuck edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. So, just a little background about Brady DeChuck. He was drafted fourth overall by the Ottawa Senators in two thousand and eighteen. He's currently in his fourth season with the Senators, and I know that he played twenty nine games. I don't have the stats. I kind of. Fidgel fucked on that one, but that's okay. And he was named the 10th captain in franchise history in 2021. Now, I was definitely someone who was a little critical of drafting Brady Kachuk because at the time, Philip Zadina looked like the better player. Yeah, you and I, you can go back and listen to the draft episode because you and I definitely were in the same boat as a lot of sense Twitter was. Yeah. Very much was... Why are we taking this guy? Philip Sedin is still on the board. He's going to apparently be the better player. I think it honestly took... Two seconds. One press conference. <laughs> yeah. One rookie press conference with Brent Wallace. You want to talk about a total 180 abandoned perception of him when <laughs> Brent Wallace asked... What was it? Max Lejoie? Either that or Thomas Shabbat. It wouldn't have been Shabbat. I think it was uh, Lejoie. When he was asked, who was the first person he called to tell him he got drafted? And it was his girlfriend. And Brady just had that oof face. Why would you do that, man? And everyone's like, okay, he's an asshole. But he's our asshole. I gotta say, that was a big story when that happened. And I'll tell you, again, and I was very critical. That one moment, that (laughs) totally made me a Brady fan. Because it's, how many hockey players are like that? No, the guy's got a personality, and it's great. The other thing that I think that sold me on Brady Kachuk is he had a reputation for cleaning up, but I just didn't realize just how well that would translate into the NHL of him just creating just an incredible volume of pretty good scoring chances and then taking it really hard to the net. For sure. And we, can, and we also can talk about just the style of hockey that he plays, that very physical kind of hockey that his dad played in the 1990s. But I think for myself, when I think of Brady to Chuck, I think of the time he got drafted because this was at a time when, you know, the whole Hoffman and Carlson situation happened. It looked like players didn't want to come in Ottawa. And along comes this kid from, I think he's from St. Louis, not Massachusetts. This kid comes from the States. Fans are totally like, why did we draft him in one season? He completely turned it around, and he was the vocal point of this team, and we owed him a huge apology. Yeah. And it's funny because it's 2022, and you look at the players that we've gotten. We've gotten the Josh Norris's, the Tim Stutzlas, the Drake Bathings, young guys who, A, have personality, yep. who are fan favorites, and like and love living and playing in Ottawa. Yeah, and the quality of play is definitely there, too, like... In 26 games this season, he has 12 goals, 10 assists for 22 points. Thank you, Tim. Like, he's playing 
very good hockey, and a lot of the fan favorite off the ice moments. Surround Brady Kachuk is like deep center in them. Like the big one from last season that I know Ian Mendez and Trevor Shackles were talking about was, and that came up in a lot of people's top tens, was. Tim Stutzel gets his first career hat trick, and Brady helps the fans next door throw hats over the fence. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, that really goes to show the kind of culture he's trying to build in Ottawa, right? And, look, I, I think we all knew he was going to be the captain. I think that was very obvious. I know there was the, definitely the Shabbat people. They were referring who's going to get named. But, honestly, you and I talked about this yeah. in the past, right? We said if Shabbat was going to be captain, they would have named him. Yeah. Well, when, when they didn't name yeah, him yeah. captain right away when Brady held out, that was a clear, clear indication. Who was going to get it? That Brady was going to get it, right? Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I think they, I think both of them would have been very good captains. Brady Kachuk has been, he's definitely that vocal forward leader, and I'm very happy to see it. Hopefully, uh, we can finally get some veterans to kind of shore up the senders, and yeah, Brady Kachuk can lead us to a few playoff wins. Absolutely, and I think for myself, when you're talking about the off-ice stuff, I think that just the camaraderie he really has with the fans, and one of the big things, given that you live in the tropical tropics of Calgary, Alberta, (laughs) you know exactly where I'm going with this, when there was that young fan behind the Sens net who was flossing, Brady sees him and starts flossing Flossing with him. him. (laughs) But not only that... When the Senators came back to Calgary the next season, Brady and the kid were on the bench pregame. Oh, that's awesome. And it's so cool to see that, right? And Brady, you want to talk about a guy who just has such a personality but is so beloved by the fan base? It's Brady Kachuk. It's Brady Kachuk, right? Yeah, and hopefully we start to see... Yeah, like, you can't... There's so many good personalities on this team that you really want to see him succeed. It does. And also, why can no one on this team wear a goddamn shirt? I know, I know. <laughs> and you made the comment about the titty shirt. I think you should talk a little bit about that because yeah, cause that it, really caught your imagination, didn't it? Well, it's like I was kind of half watching this game because I was doing some card game stuff. And I look over the presser, and it's just like, looking at Brady Kachuk, he's got a shirt that is cl- not being ro- worn right. From, I'm not quite sure what he's done, but for whatever reason, the V-neck is down, like, down his peck, so you can yep. almost see the whole peck. I'm just like, alright, I and guess he, titty shirts are in. He's a big dude, too. Yeah, yeah. And then, I'm like, how did he fucking do that? Because he's also got, like, the neck stretched out past his shoulders. I know, I can hear my dog out, yeah. out the door. But last thing I want to mention about Brady, right, real quick, two things that really come to mind more recently is when Brady DeChuck finally signed his contract, Brady DeChuck shows up at the, at the rink. They're playing the Leafs that night. Yep. The Brady chant was deafening. But not only that. He comes up to When, I can't remember who made the video... Off the, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I think it's, I can't remember who it was. Anyway, and somebody made a collage of Brady post game yep. in the locker room, and the Senators are walking by, and Thomas Shabbat does this double look, and he jumps, <laughs> on. and it's set to "My Heart Will Always Go On" from Celine Dion. Yeah. Well, just Brady walking out during the TV timeout. Yeah, that was that was good shit. It is good shit. I'm gonna grab this dog because she's barking right now. Yeah. 
Alright. First appearance, I'm like, oh, come on in. Come on in. Hello. There she is. There. Uh oh, I smell like different animals. I uh, know. Come here, Snuff. Come here. Come here. No, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah, she's good. She's good. So, Tim, even though Brady is our cover athlete for this week, we got to talk about next week's cover athlete. Now, we don't have a poll, but we do have a cover athlete. So, next week's episode is Season 5, Episode 13, in chronological order, Episode 108. The Frank Finnegan edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. Well, it's like, who else would you pick? Finnegan's Ghost? Yeah, pretty much. Well, it's just such an iconic player, right? And you have this team come back after a 70-year hiatus, yeah, you retire the number. Yeah, and he was still alive. He was, I think, he was like the lone guy from the team that was still alive at that time. And when we had Bruce Firestone on, he talked about Frank and the fact that, of course, he didn't get a chance to see the team play its first game. But it was very cool to have Frank involved in the whole process, which we'll talk about next week. Absolutely. Until then, Tim... We gotta talk about something that listeners love knowing every single week. Now, usually I would say, "How has your week been going?" But first of all, how has your holidays been going, man? Because we really haven't got a chance to talk much over this holidays. Honestly, it's just—it's been. Uh, so we weren't able to go see my folks because uh, I think I—I I talked about this last episode where uh, one of us started coughing and we couldn't get a test because uh, BC just ran out of tests, so yep. we just had. to treat it like covid so we end up staying with my in-laws for christmas and uh we got chinese food yep that's a move there on christmas yeah yeah well it was like we had it was like we found out on like the 23rd you're not getting a turkey yeah and uh so we're like nope we're doing we're doing chinese food on christmas uh, i did but it's not like we could go out and see the movie to complete the holiday <laughs> the holiday tradition there that is true but no it was good we found it like a pretty standard Chinese food place in Langford. Uh, it's just the one at the corner of Gold Street and Veterans Memorial. Oh, okay. It's not bad. I, I know exactly. I can't remember the name. I know exactly what you're talking about. It is exactly what you think it would. It's it is Chinese food, like st- like standard. bog standard Americanized Chinese food. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know even I've talked about this even last week that Christmas Eve. That's always been the mood right there. As I come home with from my dad and. There'd be Chinese food waiting for me. Same thing this year. It was great. Muffy, I'm going to put you upstairs if you're not going to stop crying at me, okay? But, uh, yeah, other than that, we had, uh, yeah, I was supposed to hang out with some people after Christmas, but before New Year's, but they had cold-like symptoms too, so couldn't do that. I usually like to go work out the Y because I don't have access to my home gym. That's been closed down, so. Yeah, yeah it's just, this holiday's kind of been a wash, so I think uh, I'll probably come back I'll come back when I usually do in the summer, and hopefully we'll do more. I'll get to see the folks that I didn't get to see this time around. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with the holiday season, I know how crazy it is, especially with COVID and everything. But I'll talk a little bit about what I've been up to the last week, because I know I did a new episode of The Great White Experience. Yep. And it was a great episode. Got to do an album review of Lateralis by Tool with my pops, and that was great. One thing that happened before... I grabbed my dad's. Yeah. So, for listeners who are from Victoria, you would know if you come off the highway, you go onto Mackenzie, you follow that all the way, right? And yeah. Mackenzie goes forever. 
So where my dad lives, he lives over by Uvic. So basically how I would get to his place is I would get uh, Mackenzie, turn onto Shelburne, and then onto Feltham, and he's like in that area. Yeah. So I know that Shelburne has had some traffic and some construction going on there recently. So when I went down there, I made the decision to not turn off on Shelburne, but turn off onto Cedar Hill. Yeah. Because Cedar Hill, if you follow it, it you can turn right onto Feltham, which crosses Shelburne, and there you go. Yeah. And so I did that. So I turned off um turned onto Cedar Hill, followed it, turned right onto Feltham, and came to the intersection of Feltham and Shelburne. Yeah. And the roads were not great. Yeah. And I was kind of skidding a little bit. I came to a full stop. The lady behind me didn't. Oh no. And I got rear-ended. The car is fine. The back bumper isn't. The light got broken, but nobody got hurt. Everybody's safe. It's shitty though, right? Because yeah. I get this is the third car I've owned where somebody's hit it. Or the car got damaged. Yeah. And it's almost never your fault. Like, it's yeah, it's never your fault, which is the worst part. Yeah, it's true. Because I think my Integra... Yeah, my Integra got... The guy backed into me. My first RSX, my sister wrote that off. And this car was not my fault. Yeah. Yeah, the worst was the guy backing into you. Yeah, and it was outside the liquor store, so he's probably had a few, you know, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. He's going for his refill. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I know, right? But, no, other than that, I mean, it's been good. Girlfriend got back from Alberta, so nice. it's great. And I'm very proud to say I can talk a little bit about my next episode of The Great White Experience because I'll be recording that on Tuesday. Nice. With our bod, Mike McFarland, for a podcast. Really? Yeah, it's going to be on our favorite Canadian professional wrestlers. A topic that, you know, I usually bombard this episode with. Yeah. Yo, actually, uh, Chelsea found someone in Calgary that's signing a, that's selling a signed copy of Bret Hart's book. If you're interested, we can see if we could buy that. Ooh. Yeah, so it's uh, Bret, Bret Hart's Hitman. Yeah, I'm oh, going to see if this... 25 yeah. bucks, eh? Oh, it's funny. I have that book. I have that exact book. In, uh... Let's see if they still have it. There you go. So... Tim, although we could sit here and talk about how our holidays have been going, we got to talk about last week's episode. Because honestly, it was not a bad episode. It was weird. We didn't have any get Like, it was a weird episode. It was, but we still got some stuff to talk about. Obviously, we did our 2021 end-of-year recap. That was great to reminisce about some of the stuff we got to do over 2021. We talked about our goals for 2022. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. I think it was a good enough episode, uh... It was so weird just not having, a, like, games to talk about. Being like, yeah, we might have games. Well, actually, the funniest thing, and I didn't even think about it, was, like, we when we finished our episode with uh, James Wood, we're like, oh, yeah, we've got these three games to talk about. And then just, nope, all gone. Yep. And then we're like, yeah, we'll have these games to talk about. And, oh, one of them happened. Cancelled. Yeah. Cancelled. Ca- well, postponed. PPD true and even like if you look at the rundown i have here you know because usually when i go with games for the week next to it it says as it stands currently yeah because we lost the mini game it's true we lost the mini game but we got two games next week hopefully but no that's good man that's really good and no obviously it was a good episode i mean i can't really complain but i'm really happy that we're getting together to our first episode of 2022 actually i wonder if anyone noticed the exact moment when Tim realized that his internet was dying and switched to a wired connection. 
Well, thanks to the magic of editing, we will never know, Tim. Perfect. But you know what is also perfect, Tim? Is this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. I swear, I wonder if the mic is like picking up my dog and just breathing right now. Probably. Probably. Now, Tim, it wouldn't be Top of the Hour without a little Ovi watch. Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin became the all-time leader in power play goals with 275. Ovechkin had recorded 24 goals, 26 assists for 50 points in 33 games for Washington at the time of the story. He's going to do something crazy. Yeah. Because like he's already the all-time power play goal leader. He's, I think he's gotten up there with game winners. Mm -hmm. And he's... Is that, what is he at now? Uh, 275. 275 for power play. Oh, I think he's at, I think he's closing in on 800 total. Oh, he's got it. There's yeah. there's no way, right? There's no way that he is not anywhere close to that. But no, honestly, it wouldn't be top of the art without Ovi Watch. Now, I know that we usually talk about how Ovechkin's going to pass Wayne Gretzky in goals. Yeah. Well, somebody actually passed Wayne Gretzky in something this past week. Oh, I saw that. That's incredible. Los Angeles Kings captain Anze Kopitar passed Wayne Gretzky for second on the Kings' all-time assist list with 673. Kopitar, drafted 11th overall by the Los Angeles Kings in 2005, had recorded 9 goals, 19 assists for 28 points at 31 games for LA at the time of the story. That was one that I really wouldn't have thought about. Just assists. Right? And it's funny because, again, we talk so much about Ovechkin and how great it is. Anze Kopitar, again, he's one of these guys, because he plays on the West Coast, because he plays that part, that playmaking style, definitely goes under the radar. Yeah. Which is funny because, again, he's got a thousand points. He's a captain of the Kings, won two Stanley Cups. You think that that would get him some recognition? No, no. No. Although, the player, the current active player with the most. It most assists is Joe Thornton with 1,106. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that. And Wayne Gretzky's almost 2,000. Now, Tim, unfortunately, since we last recorded, one of the big stories that's come out of here came from the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championships as the tournament was officially canceled. Said cancellations were done after learning that several players had contracted covid 19. Well, what's incredible is just Bob McKenzie kind of went over the numbers when the cancellation occurred, and the actual positivity rate among the players was only 0.03%. So they were running thousands of tests on these players, so like multiple a day for all these players, and they only got about 10 or so positives at the time of the cancellation, but it was over enough teams that by the time you would get to quarterfinals, you wouldn't have enough teams to do an eight-team quarterfinal. It's true. So the team, by the rules of the tournament, the tournament had to be canceled. Yeah, and it's a shame, right? But you know what? I think this also came after what we're talking about last week with the women's championships getting canceled and some of the men's championships getting canceled. But it's a shame. But you know what? Again, you got to think about the players' health and safety as well as integrity of the tournament yeah. itself. I think the one big thing that really came out of this, now I don't know if you got a chance to see this. So there was somebody, I can't remember the person's name, but she was tweeting about this 
the Russian national team was on a flight to Frankfurt. They had to land the plane because the Russian players were blotto. Were being dicks. Oh yeah, they were drunk as shit. And then you had the the coaching staff were in first class just <laughs> vaping. Just vaping and drinking. Which apparently you can do that on an aeroflot plane in uh Europe, but sorry, in Russia, but yeah, this isn't Russia. Yeah. But it's just like, come on guys. It's true. But yeah, yeah. It, it's been rough for all those guys. Uh, and by the end of it, I think at least seven teams had one or two players test positive. And it's almost all of them, with the exception of Team Canada, were in Red Deer. Yeah, and I think the guys at the Suns Cops brought this up because I know some of the some of the teams were staying at the hotel in Red Deer. Yeah. They had booked a hotel, or they had booked a wedding when the players were there. <laughs> and so, you know, you what, you couldn't think to maybe block the whole thing out? Yeah, no. Well, I guess it is the... Do I repeat the lie from Devon is a place on Earth? Red Deer is, is the Vatican for fuckers. fuckers. <laughs> it really is, man. It really is. So we're going to move away from talking about COVID. I'm actually going to talk about a pretty positive story here. Vancouver Canucks assistant equipment manager, Brian Red Houghton, found the woman who saved his life by pointing out a mole on the back of his neck that turned out to be cancer. This occurred during the Canucks game during, sorry, the Canucks game versus the Seattle Kraken when the woman sitting behind the bench wrote on her phone that the mole was cancer. Yeah, no, that was cool. And they were able to, so through the power of Twitter, great mind, they were able to identify the woman, mm -hmm. and uh, they gave her a scholarship. That's awesome. So, yeah, no no good deed goes unrewarded. And it was just a really nice story when uh, most of the stories we have about disease are just not so nice. It is true. It is true. And you know what? And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't she a doctorate or something Some, in Seattle? Something like that. Yeah feel bad for uh, being a seattle fan right now yeah but you know what that's the typical expansion woes. not everybody can be vegas well right? here's the thing about seattle it's not even the team playing that bad like they're they finish well their defense is good and then grubauer is uh, having the worst season of his career yeah and what's funny is that's kind of apparently just a calling card of Rod Hack of Hackstall teams is, uh, yeah, they're defensively sound, except for their penalty kill, which just doesn't work, and the goalie is terrible. So you have to wonder if it's just he has bad goaltending coaching? Maybe. Yeah, it's like, what aren't we catching about the coaching effect here? Because this seems strong and persistent across, like, his, like, that was his Philly team to a T. The Maple Leafs under him were kind of like that. I don't think Hextall was with the Leafs. He was with the Kings. No. Why did I think? I think he was an assistant with the Leafs at one point. Uh, you can look that yeah, up. Yeah, look that up. Yeah, you can look that up. And while you're doing that, Tim, we'll move on to our next story. Because this is a big one that came out of this past week. Boston Bruins forward Brad Marchant took to Instagram to call out the NHL, NHL owners, and NHLPA for making players pay an escrow for taxi squads while refusing to allow them... Sorry, for all reason to allow one during the Olympics so NHL players could participate. Marshot also commented that the players should be allowed to make their own decisions whether they want to participate in the Olympic Games. 
I I get the passion. It is incredibly difficult logistically for a league to allow this sort of opt-out. Especially if they're going to start running games during where the Olympics would have been. Mm-hmm. Because then you have to allow these pl- like certain players that have been selected a team to opt in, opt out, then have teams fill in the slot, then have separate insurance. It needs to be an all-in or all-out. So it's like, I appreciate, like, I appreciate Marsham, like, kept coming up and saying, like, okay, you could have, you could have cut some of us some slack here, but I, I really don't think they could have. No, and honestly, and I don't think the NHL owners wanted to. No. Even if they were like, yeah, you can go, because honestly, look at Edmonton, right? Because, okay, who do you lose from that? You lose McDavid, you lose Dreisaitl, your two best players. You lose the team. What if they get COVID while they're over there? They're gone for five, six weeks. The Olympics ends in late February. They're gone till April. Yeah. No. Like, their season's sunk. Yeah. And that would honestly sink a team. Being Senators fans, you know, sending a player to the Olympics will sink a team. Yeah. Hey, Hasek. <laughs> still never still never got over that, man. I still never Never will. That. Nope. Now, speaking about taxi squads, the NHL has announced that they will bring back taxi squads in an effort to keep the season moving along. Taxi squads were first in- introduced during the 2021 COVID-reduced season. Given the way that these things... Sorry, NHL COVID protocols work. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have them in place, you need the taxi squad. It's true. Like, it's... Players go into it so fast that you need the extra number of roster slots yep. to slot someone in because... As we saw, Ottawa couldn't build a proper team. Montreal the other yesterday was playing with sixteen players. That's even with the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, it's an emergency situation, and nobody wants to see the NHL canceled. Like, no, and you know, and honestly, I'm in the same boat. But you know what? I, I understand why the league wants to do this. Yeah. But it's going to be tough because, again, when you look at some of the provinces that are now doing half capacity, Ontario is now going to 1,000 capacity. 1,000, yeah. Which is basically your staff. Yeah. Yeah. Your staff and maybe a handful of season ticket holders. Yeah. So, they, well, Toronto didn't even bother. Because how do you select a handful of season ticket holders other than a lottery? And that's the truth because, again... And then it's not even worth servicing them. No, because here's the thing, and it's, it's different in a city like... Ottawa, Arizona, like say, say for example, Arizona does it, right? It's much different because you got to look at, okay, how many season ticket holders do they really have? Yeah. Well, you have, the only fair way to do it is draw it by lottery. And why set up a lottery system for maybe a handful of games? Yeah. And that, and even I know for myself, cause I'll be hopefully going to the Sens Canucks game here on Saturday and I'm still waiting for news on whether I can go or not. Yeah, because they're doing half capacity, but you know, is that game even going to happen? That again, that's what I'm really looking at because I'm ch- constantly checking: is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? If it doesn't happen, I'm at least booked to the hotel where I won't get dinged if I cancel. Yeah. Also, Ron Hackstall was an assistant coach in Toronto last year. Was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he got fired in Philly. Yeah. Worked with the Leafs from 2019 to 2021. And now he's head coach of Seattle. 
Maybe that's why Freddie Anderson couldn't string a whole season together. Oh, <laughs> it's Ron Hextall. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Hextall's with Pittsburgh. Yeah, Hextall's with Pixar. Hacksaw. Hacksaw. Okay, sorry, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Because there's Ron Hextall and Ron Hacksaw. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dave Hackstall. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I got the, the two confused. Now, speaking about coaching staff, Tim. Yep. The Minnesota Wild have re-signed head coach Dave Everson and his entire coaching staff to multi-year contracts. Everson, who has been with the Wild since 2018, have recorded a 54-25-7 coaching record with Minnesota at the time of the story. Well, it's like, the Minnesota Wild is such a weird team because everyone thought that they were just kind of milding into a rebuild. And then all of a sudden, it just like, uh, there was no coaching change. The only thing they really did was fuck. They replaced, oh, I can't even remember the guy's name. They replaced him with uh, Bill Guerin. They're, yeah, I can't remember the GM's name. After barely a year. Yep. And they made some, they did some tinkering moves. And then Kirill Kaprizov shows up. Yeah. Like, that's it, really. The, yeah, the oldest rookie of the year ever. Yeah, it was just like, oh, okay. Because, yeah, so it's like, I don't, like, that's a coaching team that just doesn't deserve to be fired. But it's like, they, it kind of plays into the, what people suspect that maybe coaches don't have that big of an, some coaches don't have that big of an effect on a team. Yeah. But then again, you look at guys like Dave Hackstall, where it's like, Okay. No relation to so, Ron Hextall. No, no relation to Ron Hextall. Where you look at what he's do, what happens to all of his teams that fail in the same ways. They're like, okay, you're doing something. Yeah, that's kind of like Elaine Vigneault in Vancouver. Yeah, or Elaine Vigneault in uh, aforementioned Philadelphia. That is true. I mean, there's so many examples of that, right? Yeah. So. Now, Tim, we only got one trade to talk about this week. St. Louis Blues have traded forward Nolan Stevens to the Minnesota Wild for forward Will Bitten. Stevens recorded three goals, six assists for nine, or sorry, three goals, nine assists for 12 points in 20 games for the AHL Springfield Thunderbirds, while Will Bitten recorded three goals, five assists for eight points in 23 games for the AHL's Iowa Wild this season. What's funny about this particular trade is it happened the minute the AH, sorry, the NHL lifted its trade freeze. Otherwise, this trade doesn't matter. It's just very funny that there was a team that's like, God, make this minor league deal today. Come on, boys, let us trade yep. a guy. You're in turkey time. <laughs> it's true. And it's really interesting because, again, I don't have anything to say. It's just, it's a minor league deal. But it's just the timing is what makes it funny. It does. It really, really does. <laughs> Now we're gonna close off top of the hour the way we usually close out top of the hour, but talking about the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa Senators have signed Tyler Boucher to a three-year entry-level contract. Boucher drafted tenth overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2021, recorded two goals, one assist for three points in 17 games for Boston University. So it's a really interesting happenstance because this allows Boucher to either go to the C8. Well, he's with the 67s with right the 67s now. in the OHL and next year go to Belleville because it sounded like he wasn't fitting in at college which is really unfortunate it is but you know what I think there was people on Twitter that were saying oh well you know Brady to Chuck kind of had the same sort of stats in when he played at Boston College yeah but there's a difference Brady was a top five pick people were saying oh I think the Senators drafted Boucher way too high yeah. we should have taken him but again if you look at the move the Rangers made 
yeah, I think it's 14 or whatever, it was clear Tyler Boucher was going in the first round. Yeah, yeah. and Tyler Boucher was going high in the first round. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is from what I can read about Boston College right now, it might not actually be that good of a program. So it might be the Senators getting Tyler Boucher out of a bad situation and putting him into a place to succeed with a very successful Ottawa 67s team. Yeah. It was I mean, a very young... Good 67s team. Yeah, but, uh, you know, good on Tyler Boucher. I mean, obviously, we didn't, we haven't got a chance to really watch a lot of them, so we don't really have anything to comment about them. Now, normally that would close off top of the hour, but we got one more story to talk about, and this is one that I really, really debated whether I should include it because it seemed more of a rumor more than anything yeah. else, but I feel we got to talk about this anyway. The French website, Dame Les Colles, are reporting that former Senators captain Daniel Robinson, as well as former defenseman Chris Phillips, are in talks alongside with a third financial backer to purchase the Ottawa Senators from Eugene Melnick. Oh, one sec. According to the site, the, this rumor has been confirmed by one quote-unquote well-placed and trusted source, but we're unable to get it confirmed by a second. I'll believe it when I see it, but... What's interesting is other people have noted that the revolving door in the C-suite continues and apparently some sort of investigative piece is going to be coming out of one of the major Ottawa outlets. I think it came from The Athletic, too. With The it? Athletic coming will be coming out about what the hell is going on in the Ottawa executive suites yeah. in March. Yeah, but also I think that I really want to believe this is real. You know, believe me, I yeah. really, really want to do because again, Alfredson has been rumored in talks for an ownership group for a couple of years now. But there's been talks that Eugene Melnick was being very serious of selling once he got the full payment from the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, and I guess the hard thing is, is just who has the money to buy the team at a sh because it's probably going to be valued at. I think it's 520 something million because you have like probably half a billion, half a billion, quarter billion, half a billion dollars of debt against the team. So like an NHL team is probably somewhere close to a billion dollars. Like who's got that to pick up a, a franchise that has been mismanaged and will need a lot of remediation at the executive level? Yeah, but you know what though? And I think you, you can look at even the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? You yeah. look at Tampa when they finally got their new ownership because the Lightning was run so poorly that the new ownership came in. They brought in people who knew how to run a hockey team. He put it in the right hands and look at where they're at now. And yeah. I feel that if this ends up being true, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice to see, like, yeah, if a new ownership group comes back, either bring in, bring, see if you can bring back, like, either Serial Leader or Tom, Am Tom Amselmi. Mm-hmm. Or pull in someone who was able to, at the executive level, to kind of pull the rejuvenation that teams like Flo the Florida Panthers or the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to do. Just don't don't touch the desert. <laughs> true. Don't touch the desert. It is true, right? And I mean, another team you look at, Carolina with Tom Dundon. Yeah. Yeah, like Tom Dundon's team has done very well for themselves. They have. Like, people often question some of the moves that they've made, but... they they seem to be turning out well 
Yeah, and I mean their pro- and their prospect pool is so deep right now, yeah. especially in this World Juniors. They had what ten prospects, which in- is incredible for a team that's been good, good, and like one. They have won a playoff series in each of the past three years, at least. Yeah, and they were what conference conference finals twenty nineteen, or was that twenty twenty? Either way, I think it was twenty twenty. I think it was the COVID year. Yeah, that pushes you so far down the draft. Yeah, but that really goes to show how much money and stock they're putting in their scouting department, right? Yeah, yeah and it's and what's funny is Ottawa, Ottawa did has done pretty well as well at the World Juniors, and we've seen a lot of people progress through. Like people were noting that at one point in Team Canada, you had Shabbat, Mete, and why am I blank? Batherson on the same Team Canada team. Yep, but even you, know, you look around even other countries like Colin White. Was a leading scorer in 2015. You had Jake Sanderson in the tournament. J- Brady was in the tournament. You had all these guys who were in the tournament. Todd Clevin made it. Yeah, Ridley Gregg. Ridley Gregg. And it's like, like a lot. And it's nice because it's not just Ottawa's first rounders that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Like you've got later picks like Drake Batherson. You've got thir- a third. Yeah, you got a third rounder do- doing it. So it's like the Ottawa drafting is good. But it's the pro scouting is what definitely needs more money. Oh yes, yeah. But you know what though? If this new rumored ownership comes in, we could see that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because the the status quo can't continue. No, and honestly, I think if a new ownership comes in, first thing you'll see is both Doran and DJ Smith DJ Smith are gone. They'll be fired for a chance. Yeah, it's it is a bit of a shame. Well, it's like. I wouldn't mind keeping Dorian in in a role similar to what he was Pierre Mag- either what he was before or what but you can't do that right yeah but like a, or like a president of hockey operations type role like Pierre Maguire is doing because what the hell is Pierre Maguire actually doing he hasn't touched a microphone in months no it's Pierre Dorian's handling the media again it is like I wouldn't actually mind seeing Pierre Dorian staying on in that side of sort of a role and have going back to being a very heavy hand on the drafting and then have a new GM work work the pro side, work building the team. Like, I think that would work really well. Because, like, yeah, Pierre Dorian is a very good drafting GM. He is. So, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to finally start talking about some games. Now, of <laughs> course, we only got one game on the schedule. And begrudgingly, we got to talk about this. But before we do that... Let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the one and only game of the week, unfortunately. Sens versus Maple Leafs. This is a 6 to nothing Leafs victory. Leafs goes over by Ilya Mikhailov with 2, William Leonard with 2, Justin Hall, and TJ Brody. Shots were 40 to 23 for Toronto. Now, you know how I would usually have a rundown or whatever for this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's already dead. Yeah, that's about right. I am going to go on record here. You and I were talking about this on the way over. Yeah. This is the worst game the Sens have played all year. Worse than the Canucks game. My reasoning for it? 
at least in the Canucks game, we scored. The Senators scored. Yeah, this was... The only thing that really came close was Formanton had a very nice rush on uh, Jack Campbell. That I don't know how Jack Campbell kept that out. I know. And even watching that, I was just like, how did you keep that out? Like, I honestly thought he scored. Yeah. The... The Senators, none of the Senators showed up to play. Nope. Matt Murray, six goals on 40 shots. There's There were more than a few that he would have liked to have back. Yeah. The first goal, there was nothing he could do. There wasn't. But it I, was a 2-0 breakaway. Yeah, but the one but the, the one that came right after that. That went through him. That went right through him. The wraparound, he should have had that. Well, it's like, yeah, like, especially because Stutzla played, like, on the 2-0 goal, it was a, Batherson tried to pass when he should have shot. And that's what I was commenting. I said, man, he should have shot that. Yeah. And how many times have we said that about Tim Stutzla, right? We said, like, Timmy had the shot. This time it was bad. He didn't. But Tim Stutzla, he, him and Shabbat got back. They played the two on, they played the two on one situation the way you should have. Murray had to have that. 100%. 100%. Murray's positioning was not good. No, and I mean... He I'll, didn't get much time to work on it. He did. No, and I mean, we'll bring up his notes here. 34 stage, 0.850 save percentage. He did look awful in this game. Mm-hmm. But... The team in front of him did, did not, not inspire confidence. No, and you and I were talking about this on the way. Like, did you notice Stutzel in this game? Did you notice Chuck? Did you notice anybody in this game that wasn't Alex Formerton? Not... Really? The only guy that you mentioned, Eric Brandstrom. Eric Brandstrom, like, he was on the right side of the puck mm-hmm. as much as you could be in that game. You could see that he started to move, get more shit, more shifts with Eric Carlson. Sorry, with uh, Eric Carlson. <laughs> Can you imagine Brandstrom yeah, and Eric Carlson? That would be great. Uh, he he would have got, he got more shifts with, uh, I think he got some shifts with Zub, Holden, and uh, Shabbat as the game went on. Yep. Because Lassie Thompson was noticeable in a bad way he was and this is a game that really you really tend to notice what a difference a couple of weeks will make yeah because the leafs are not fully healthy the sens are not fully healthy but also this was the first game the sens have played they're at a thousand people capacity in ontario yeah and the other thing is the sens were on a like they were on a they were hot oh yes wow they came to this game dead cold. Like, and well, Toronto was able to pick up where they left off. And I think some of that is definitely cl- is coaching. Because mm-hmm. this, is, this isn't the first clunker that we've had this year from DJ Smith. No. Where a team just was not prepared to play. No, and it's brutal, right? And honestly, I watched the first two periods of this game... Third period, I kind of sort of watched it, but I was kind of doing other things at the time, including writing up the episode for The Great White Experience, which is coming out this this coming week, so it should be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the only players I that I could say had a good game from the senders were Connor Brown, Alex Formanton, yep. and Eric Brandstrom. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yep, Connor Brown looked pretty good in this game. And Sh- Shabbat wasn't too bad. He had his moments. Uh, Nick Holden, it like this is probably the worst game I've seen out of Holden and Zub. I think for me, the one guy I want to talk about was Zach Sanford. I was ready to catapult Ooh. his ass into the sun after 
how many stupid penalties did he take last night? A good many. Yes. Too many. Too, too many. And that was kind of what killed the Senators, is Toronto got these fantastic after fantastic chances on the power play. If Ottawa's a little more... Like, granted, the first two calls were softer than baby shit. Oh, yes. But I think the Ottawa... Like, if the Ottawa Senators had been a bit more disciplined, this game would have been close closer because like ottawa probably should have scored two goals in that game should have jack campbell was phenomenal no he was really good and that's actually kind of scary like i think for the rest of the league that's pretty scary if jack campbell can take some keep this momentum going into the postseason toronto is going to be very difficult to play against true that's that's really scary we can look at it last year right where you saw Toronto had that momentum going into the playoffs with Campbell, go up 3-1 and they lose in 7. That's true. And, well, that's the thing is, I I do like Jack Campbell as a goalie. Yeah, and you and I praised it. We praised that trade when they made it, right? Yeah. Uh, The the only problem is, is I think that year it was, all of a sudden, all the goal support disappeared. So it didn't matter how good Jack Campbell was. Yeah, well, even Austin Matthews last night, I didn't think played a great game. He had a couple of really good shots, but honestly, I didn't even really notice them in that game. Well, the Matthews-Marner-Bunting line was kind of invisible. Yeah. Like, uh, all of the points came from Toronto's came from Toronto's depth. With, well, N- Nylander had two. Yeah, and I don't mind Nylander. He's a good player. No, so. that is, like, the Nylander contract is what we dream that the Batherson contract is. Like, every, like, every Leafs podcast we've had on the show has basically said that yeah the Nylander contract is golden don't trade that yeah you will not get the value back no and that's where I think I never really understood the Leafs Leaf fans when they talk about Nylander because it's kind of like he's almost like just the other guy in that yeah when you talk about the big three Mariner Matthews Tavares Nylander is kind of the black sheep no when Nylander is the piece that allows you to have a big three because you have this player who can play with them at their level making like four million yeah but it, i don't want to say it's kind of like an ottawa right now with to chuck norris bath yeah where stutzla is kind of the fourth guy but kind of weirdly is in a way we're starting to build towards that and we're able to do it a bit cheaper as much as i really love josh norris i'm not sure if he will ever be as offensively explosive as no i'm not sure he will not be as offensively explosive as stutzla or matthews or tavares no because that's not the game he plays he's more of a he's defensively elite yes and that's one of the things is the maple leafs just displayed why they are one of the top three teams (coughs) in the nhl one of the top team and all of those teams, all the top teams in the NHL right now are in the Atlantic Division. And I think it's time for us to eat a little humble pie where we thought that the Ottawa Senators would be in a better place. Yeah, but you know what? I think of, I, again, I don't want to harp on this, but again, when you look at how we played the end of last year, that was reasonable optimism that this is going in the right direction. And, and it looked like it was yeah. for a while. And then we went on that seven-game losing streak. Yep. Yeah. And then we we have another beatdown like this. Yeah. And I think part of it is just Ottawa can't get... And the weird thing is, is like, I think most of the things that needed to go right for Ottawa to be better in the Atlantic are happening. 
Mm-hmm. Like, the young players are continuing to develop. We're seeing the defense start to form a bit better. And then the goaltending can't get it together. But I think the one thing that really sticks out for me, and I never really thought about this until I was reading somebody tweet this out. So far in this season, the Senators have had. Yep. Look at the teams we've played. We've played Tampa. We've played Florida. We've played Toronto. We've, we've played really, really good teams. Because the- we have not played the bottom feeders. The fact that we are in this position after we're 9, 19, whatever, we're not playing bottom feeders. We're playing the top teams in the league. Washington, we played them. Have we Actually, how much Montreal have we played? Not much. Have we even played Buffalo yet? Nope, haven't played Buffalo. We haven't played Montreal. Yeah, so we haven't played, like, we've played Toronto, Detroit Toronto, once or twice. I don't think we have. Well, we've, we've done our California road trip, so we played San Jose. Mm-hmm. Lost that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we haven't, we lost to Vancouver during the Vancouver's darkest part of their season. It's, it's tough because, like, yeah, the, we're going to play a lot of good teams because four of the best teams in the league are in the Atlantic yeah, division. Yeah, we're, we're single-handedly in the toughest division right now. Yeah, because, like, yeah, Toronto, Florida, and Tampa are elite, elite. Yeah. Boston is, Boston can join that group very easily. Uh, they're more on the downswing. They're on the downswing. But they, like, watching them just dismantle Florida. Detroit. Look at Florida. Yeah. Like, we single, we handed them their ass that one night. To be fair, Spencer Knight handed, but like Ottawa played that game really well, and Spencer Knight really didn't. Well, it was a great night for the Senators. It was a great night for the Senators. Uh, and like we shut out the we shut out the fucking Lightning one night, so it's like Ottawa can play against these teams. It's just the consistency isn't there, and I think that's on the coach because mm-hmm. there's been too many nights where Ottawa just comes out flat footed or they 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 miss a period, and that's coaching. It is. It is. Now, I do want to make one more comment here. And I know when we had James Wood on, we talked about the Kevin Bieksa comment he made about Thomas Chabot. <laughs> now, Juice was on the Wally Mathot show and he made his thoughts clear about it. He doesn't think Chabot's a bad defenseman, one bad period, whatever. Yeah. Right? And he's very clear and he's very honest about it. I don't not agree with the comment he made after this game where he said, the centers would be a different position if we had Colbert and Cabranson. That's an asinine comment right there. Yeah, that is... That's Hockey Man. Hockey Man came out. And here's the thing. It's like, I, the last time I said it, like, BX is very... Like, his skill is breaking down plays. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, his brain just turns off. And it might... I don't know. I guess may, maybe he's buds with Cabranson or something. I don't know. But, like, auto, we ran that experiment. Cabranson got... Branson got stapled to the press box before we shipped him out for a seventh. Look at Coburn. Coburn. Coburn retired. Yeah. Like, yeah, Coburn had nothing left in the tank. Gabranson was... Gabranson has had a bit of a renaissance in Calgary. <sighs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Okay, Katrina, I know I can hear you <laughs> snickering at me right now. But, but uh, he he's also say, seeing very, very easy minutes. Yeah. So, I'm not sure it's worth all that much. Uh, but I think the thing is, is this, I think it's a coaching problem at this, like a coaching problem and an inability to get valuable veterans. Because like, yeah, sometimes when Ottawa gets deep in a hole, they just can't get out. 
Yeah, but then again, we noticed, even for a little while there, it looked like DJ Smith was falling in the same trap that the Dave Camerons and the Guy Boucher's, where he just says, fuck it, we'll throw everything to the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. That's a sign we've seen how many times, again, with Paul Maurice, Dave Cameron, name the coach. Yeah. In their final days as a sense coach, this is what happens. Yeah. Well, I think that's every coach will throw shit in the blender. And... I'm sad we missed out on Bruce Boudreau. Yeah, but you know what? That could have weirdly gone either way with the Sens. That's true. Well, it's just Bruce Boudreau is, he's a good players coach. And yeah. I think he's actually, he would be a good development coach. Because, hell, the young guys in uh, Vancouver have responded. Like, Pedersen's looking, Pedersen and Besser are looking better. Yeah. And it they're just doing simple things better. And I think that could have worked for Ottawa. And I'm not sure who's even available on the coaching market. And that's there's so a, rough. There's thing. a lot of big coaches out there still. I mean, you could look at Claude Julien. Paul, I know we talked with James Wood and Paul Maurice. I, I, I honestly would like Paul Maurice. I mean, they they won't hire Quenville. I, I know that for sure. After what's going yeah, on. Yeah, no. uh, Babcock, they're not going to hire him. No, Babcock is a way to poison your youngsters. Torts, that's another guy they're not going to hire. But, yeah, there's just too many. I think another one is, like, we'll say, again, we'll see, like, a Dave Cameron or whatever come back in the NHL. It's not going to be with the sense. No. Which is a shame, because I actually like Dave Cameron was a good coach, I think. Although, one name was floating around for a while was Jacques Martin. Jacques Martin... When you look at when he came to Ottawa in the late 90s, he basically threw a saddle on the Sens that were highly offensive with a defensive style. Yeah. But he was very good at helping the young guys, even though the fans were very critical of his handling of Jason Spezza. Right. Jason Spezza developed. Yeah. Because the team was patient with him. Yeah. Well, it's like, part of me wonders, because like, Tortorella does get good results out of talented teams. He does. But it's... I think he might... He is just very adversarial, and I just don't know if... Like, seeing what happened with him and Line A was like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, he had the same problems in Tampa Bay, right? Yeah. Where with the Cavier. But you know what? Again, Torts, very high-strung. He's kind of one of those coaches... If you're a football fan, he's very much like a Mike Singletary kind of coach where he's very vocal, likes to push the players. But is this the way to go with the sense? I I don't know. But it's like I the more I watch it, the more I don't think DJ Smith is the right coach for this team. Frankly, don't think DJ Smith is an NHL coach. I'd almost give Trent Mann a shot. Fans have been screaming that for ages. Why yeah. are we not hiring Trent Mann? But well, Trent Mann hit like the guy is he's an AHL whisperer at this point. The question is, is does that translate to the NHL? That's going to be a big thing, right? And I think that's where people's criticism might come from. Is okay, it works in the A, but it doesn't always work in the pros. It's, well, it's like, like we should give it a shot. It's like college coaches. It's like college coaches in football when they come to the NFL and it doesn't work. Urban Mayer. <laughs> Urban, oh my god. Well, Urban Mayor did you, is just fucking did Urban you ha Mayor. Did you happen to see that Your Name Tree video he did on no. Urban Mayor? That's, that's gold. Oh my god, speaking about shit that happened in football, did you see what Antonio Brown did today? Yes. Dude, it just gets really bad, strips down everything except for his helmet, 
pumps up the crowd, runs out of the field, and the Bucks coach is like, yeah, no, he's not a he's not a Buccaneer no more. Bruce Arians. <laughs> Bruce Arians. That's like, yeah, a no. that's a Ric Flair move right there, because Ric Flair would be known to strip down to his boxers in the ring. Yeah, this guy's just like, but it's like Antonio Brown. He does that shit. He does, and but he's burned every bridge he's been in, right? And I'm I'm really glad the Seahawks didn't go after him, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> so Tim, I don't really have any more comments to make on this game. If you just want to head off to the close for another episode, yeah. Let's put that one in the memory hole. What do you think, Snuff? Should we head to the close? I agree. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plugs Net Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. you find, we're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. We can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And also, I'd like to mention, you can also find us on Spotify. Oh, fancy fancy. You can also find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8 WYTE Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about the game, top of the R, or you want to give some feedback on our John Madden segment, choose an email. Third Line Plug guys at gmail.com. Okay, so Tim, for the week, for the games of the week as it currently stands, we have two games on the schedule. Thursday, we are going to be going to the Emerald City for the very first time to play the Seattle Kraken. And then Saturday, the Ottawa Senators are in Vancouver to play the Vancouver Canucks. And hopefully yours truly will be there supporting it. Yeah. And frankly, if you can go to that game, hopefully my game the, the week after will be on. And then Chelsea and I can make signs. <laughs> I know. So just for anybody out there, if I do end up going to the game... If you're going to be at the game, please make sure to look out for the guy that has a zoo. There it is. Sign. Yeah, thanks. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys. Woo!